had my coffee. Uh, I've had my morning run, and I was I was thinking. All right, I got George on. I almost want to take a cold shower because George is coming on. <laughs> and I know you're I, – I want to know more about your story. You're a former military guy. Yep. And uh, father, and you're a current father, and um, I want to dive into that. But here's what we're going to do to make it fun. So instead of just hearing your story, because it, it's going to be a great story, and that's going to be fun. But what we're going to do – is we're gonna list out, as you go along in your story, 10 mm. things that can make humans better, all right? And so as one pops up into your mind, you're gonna give one, and then as one pops up into my mind, I'm gonna give one, and then we're gonna talk about each one after we give it, just for a minute, and then we'll go back to your story. All right, that's how we're gonna start? That's just how we're, we've already started. All right, let's do it. You better wake the fuck up, George. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shit, like you, I've been up since five, but you know, hey, whatever. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I guess the one that pops into my mind real quick is the breath. Your breath? Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, you know, I at least for me, it means that a lot of us are disconnected from actually how we're breathing in, in today's world. We think we know how to breathe. And I think we take over like 600 billion breaths in our lifetime. But how many of us are really disconnected from what we really are doing every single day? <laughs> so many of us are stuck like, or mouth breathing that we don't even know what it's like to take a full breath, right? Well, yeah, I, damn, I like that a lot. Um, that's something that I teach, as you know, and that's, Breathing is important and, and you're right. It's something that that's something that I tell people that like, why do we focus on our breathing and meditation? And I tell them that it's, it's the only thing going on right now. It's, it's always going to be the only thing going on right now. It's never in the past. It's never in the future. Breathing is always what brings us to the present moment. So that's, that's beautiful. So, Hank, so man, you've already, you, you're going way too fast. What, who is George and what's going on with you? Uh, I don't know, man. Who is George? George is just a, another man, you know, trying to live in today's world. Right. Um, yeah. It, 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 I guess from the outside, I'm, I'm a 36 year old man who spent 10 years in the Marine Corps uh, who thought that life after the Marine Corps was going to be a lot fucking easier. <laughs> Can I say fuck? I already did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and in the end, you know, if I would have went back and looked at that man and told him that life was going to be a lot more difficult, I would, I would have laughed and I would have shunned the other way, which is exactly what I did. In terms, I found that life at, after the Marine Corps was a lot harder uh, than life in the Marine Corps. And so, you know, I'm a man who went through, just about every series of life changes over the last 10 years of my life. Um, I don't really wish upon any man, um, but it's brought me to where I am today. I can't sure. say I'm great for that experience, but I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. What can you back up a minute? Marine Corps is, were, were you a Marine? Yeah. So I spent 10 years in the Marine Corps from uh, September 11th to, you know, 2001 to, you know, basically July of 2011. So you were, you were inspired at when the Twin Towers went down to, you were like, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is uh, I, didn't, I didn't know where my life was heading, just like any high school kid. 
Um, I was kind of a punk. I was a trouble kid. I was like, oh, I'll just go into the um, family business, restaurants, whatever. That's what my family did. And uh, 9-11 hit. And I was like, man, there's, there's something here. There's like something I want to be part of something bigger. I want to prove myself that I can do something different. Uh, and so I ended up joining the Marine Corps, with a few of my buddies. And, uh, you know, it was an interesting experience because I wasn't going to graduate. I was like a punk kid. And like, you, you can't go in the Marine Corps. <laughs> Cause I didn't have enough credits to graduate high school. And uh, so we walked, basically the recruiter came with me to school and said, this kid's going to go serve your country. What can we do? So to go into the Marine Corps, I had to basically go to school at like six 30 in the morning before it opened and stay to like three 30, four o'clock at night, morning detention, evening detention to do all my work. Wow. And I graduated. Yeah. Rokas, anything from that before I, before I move into that? I want to go even a bit further back when you mentioned about the breath. Is it something, let's say, you focus on then throughout the day? Like, let's say, when working out and doing other things? I can't say I consciously focus on it, no, but I have reminders in my breath, uh, in my phone that, uh, you know, my coach that I work with, Traver, had helped me discover, like, put some, uh, put some reminders in my phone every few hours to just stop and check in with myself, see how I'm feeling, or else I'll just go all day, right? And then I'll lead burnout and overwhelm, so... It definitely helps me kind of like recenter myself, um, but I can't say that I like try to consciously focus on it. Okay. Um, and let's say to the listeners, what benefits have you maybe noticed from doing that? Uh, I have a lot more. I'm actually in general a lot less reactive to the world, and and more able to take a step back and and think about things versus like uh, get overall overwhelmed by whatever's going on in the world because I was a guy who was just high intensity all the time my whole entire life. So this has been a massive uh, change for my life. Well, and that's why I was kind of joking earlier, like, you know, you're coming on, I was going to take a cold shower. That's going to be my second thing that I think humans should try in their life. It's, it's cliche, but cold shower. Um, and I spent six months doing cold showers in, in the monastery uh, every shower, three times a day, we took a lot of showers and they were cold and I don't do them anymore, but I learned a valuable lesson about shocking my system into doing what I want. Hmm. And I was thinking, so I'm fascinated by this, this idea that I was just thinking, okay, this is going on today. Um, George is a, is an a influencer, influence, he's an, influencer type, a motivator, a coach and things like that. And he's had this military background and all of a sudden um, my, my consciousness tried to get triggered by that. Like wake up, get ready for the show, take a cold shower. And I think, you know, it's not cold showers that does that. It's whatever does that for you in your life. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. You know, I didn't, to be truthful, like outside of like just cold weather training per se uh, in the Marine Corps, you know, that the basic courses that they give you, like I wasn't like any special forces or anything. So I didn't really learn too much about that. It wasn't until maybe the last, even before I met Traver uh, as a performance coach that I was like learning about the benefits of cold weather training and what it could do. And it started with uh, cold showers. But I look at it as a way now, like you said, as more of like a, a way for self-containment in a way to, we can take a cold shower 
And even our body perceives it as threat, yet we are very safe. So it gives us an idea to learn what that feels like, right? Versus like going out there and just jumping into some chaos in the world. If we can contain ourselves in a cold shower, what else can we do out there when the threats are heavy, right? So tell me, yeah, absolutely, beautifully well said. So let's go into the Marine Corps part. What is that like on a day-to-day basis for someone who has never been enlisted? Oh, I, 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 it's like chaos in a, in a shell, I guess, you know, it's every day is, is the unknown. I mean, even though life every day is the unknown, um, you know, it's very regimented, disciplined, structured. Uh, you have to be a yes man or a yes woman. Um, you know, it's very one way or the highway. The Marine Corps doesn't see, uh, anything else, but what they are. There really is no in between in the Marine Corps. It's either black or white. Right. Um, that's how I kind of see it. Like you're, you're basically being programmed to be a robot. (laughs) That reminds me of the monastery. Yeah. As, as, as amazing as it is. And I, I, I kind of do wish every young man had a chance to experience the military somewhat. Um, is that your third tip? Is that tip number three of the show? I guess we can say that. Yeah. (laughs) So think 10 things you can do better. The third is, experience the military or experience controlled chaos? I think experience controlled chaos would be more like it. Go ahead. Keep going. You know, because uh, it taught me a lot about who I am inside. Like it broke me down to points where I, I thought I had nothing left. And in a point where I had nothing left, I, I realized I have so much more inside of me than what I was capable of. Exactly. And, um, that I wouldn't be here today speaking to you or, or writing a book or, or being able to be a father of a gorgeous little daughter if I probably didn't go through those experiences. Your daughter is indeed adorable. You guys take great pictures on Instagram and show them to the world. Yeah, she's the best. Um, controlled chaos instead of the military. Um, why is it that military guys come out after a decade of service and they're kind of hesitant about recommending people to join. Cause it's not for everybody. Um, and I think it's, it's, I guess I used to say like, I used to have a one fixed sign says like, you know, there's all these stories. Like I thought about joining the military one time and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's okay. You don't have to tell me that you, you want to feel like you're relate, related to me. Right. Um, so I, I don't think, I don't, I don't really, I mean, I recommend it. It's cool, but it's definitely not for everyone. Like, um, you know, maybe, maybe the air national guard, you know, <laughs> I guess it's the easier one, but I don't recommend the Marine Corps for everyone. Cause it's not for everyone. Not everyone's going to make the Marine Corps. Who's it for? Uh, I think it's for people who are looking to get that next edge on life to learn what they truly have, you know, and someone who wants to be part of something bigger than themselves. Right. Cause the, the core values of the Marine Corps are honor, courage, and commitment. So you have to have some integrity within yourself to want to join a branch that believes in honor, courage, and commitment. Honor, courage, and commitment. Courage and commitment. I didn't know that. Um, I mean, obviously I knew that those were core values, but that not that those three were specifically stated as a credo. Yeah. Those are the three, those are three core values in the Marine Corps. Definitely. It's huge. Honor, courage, commit, nice. 
our Zen Academy is education, strength, and tranquility. Wow. Yeah. Almost similar there. So our young George is needing discipline in his life. He needs structure and he ends up going into controlled chaos. Um, did you, were you a stud? How did you, did you excel right off the bat? I was definitely not a stud. <laughs> it took, uh, it, boot camp was hard um, because I, I wanted to, uh, I didn't necessarily want to quit, but I just didn't want, I didn't like being told what to do. Well, <laughs> welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. So like, luckily I joined with a friend and I was pretty small. Like, I mean, I'm five, six, so like I'm not tall. So it's not like I stood out among other people. I was kind of like almost average size. Um, but what, what made me stand out was one, my name. So they called me fucking alphabet Two, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two. Right. So for those who haven't seen George's name, that's why I didn't want to say his last name. It, it contains all, what is it? 26 characters of the English. Fucking uh... <laughs> <laughs> like everything. Like I feel bad for my daughter trying to learn her name. She's like, no, I, I just can't do that. Like, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I stood out because not because like one, my name, but two, because I was just like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't move. I didn't flinch. Like I didn't, I didn't like the, the quote unquote drone striker didn't scare the shit out of me. Right. So that's what like got them more pissed off. Obviously you had tenacity. Yeah. Like I was just a punk kid. I was like, I'll laugh. Of course I'd get gut checked and, you know, really told like smarten the fuck up. But um, yeah, that it, I didn't, I didn't learn much about that until uh, middle towards the end of the boot camp. I got my ass kicked really bad. Like literally got my ass kicked. Um, by who? By the drill instructor. So I was, we had this thing called, uh, early child, late child, meaning I would watch the gear, the Marine, uh, the recruits would go in, eat first, then I would eat last or first. Right. I hadn't had, I hadn't had a candy bar in months and there was a candy bar right there on the bag. And I was like, man, I'm just gonna fucking take it. <laughs> so I took that candy bar, ate that shit. And, uh, I got ratted on by one of the other recruits. And so the drill instructor, they, they took me basically through every single quarter deck, every single th- sandpit of all three battalions. And it was probably the worst I've ever got my ass kicked. I'm crying. I'm fucking dying. I'm walking. I'm like barely walking. Wait, explain I can't... quarter deck and sand pit. So sand pit is like where you get rolled around in the sand. As sand flees of Paris Island, you're doing mock climbers. You're, 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 you're unbuttoned. So the sand's getting in you. You're just sweating and you're getting your – basically you're getting hazed, right? He's, yeah, he's not... there's a big <laughs> emphasis of sand. I've noticed that in, in uh, Marines and Navy SEALs. Like you have to – what, in Hell Week for a Navy SEAL – you have to have sand kind of like you have to have it covered every part of your skin. Oh yeah. And I guess I, you're getting I, I, used to the fray of war that way. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's more of like a, like, Hey, what do you have left in you? So we're going to do that. So I would go to every, so basically in every battalion, there's three battalions in Paris Island, first, second, and third for the men. Um, and so every battalion has a sand pit. It's like this massive pit where the recruits sit in, you do all these calisthenics and whatever, whatnot. So here I'm getting sand kicked in my face, rolling around, everything. After that, then I go to all three, uh, three decks, first, second, third, and a quarter deck is in front of the whole entire platoon. And in front of everybody, I'm doing jumping jacks, and I'm dying. Like I have nothing left. He's like, let's go, you just finished the first battalion. Then I'm on the second battalion, then I'm on the third battalion. Then I get in front of the whole entire platoon. It's like, you see what happens when you fucking stale? 
like honor, courage, commitment. This is integrity. You never steal. And I, I don't think I've ever took like anything ever again for the rest of my life. <laughs> so you legitimately weren't supposed to take that candy. I was definitely not supposed to take that. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and add in something that, something that people should do. Okay. Number four, I'm going to say number four should be, um, moderate, moderate your appetites. And I'm going to say that stoically. That is how a stoic would say it. Moderate your appetite, not necessarily, um, your, your taste for food. That's a part of it. But appetite is what, what do you think, George, your desire? Yeah, I guess it's more of your desire. And I would say like moderation, exactly. I think that term can also mess with a lot of people because what do we, de what do we deem moderate? We could deem ah, moderate. It's massive, relative. Right? Yeah. Because we could, uh, like for me, I'll, I'll, it's part of my story actually. Uh, so here I am. I'm, I look pretty fucking healthy. Now I'm very healthy compared to what it was. Most of my life I was really healthy, but I always had the, the idea that I lived in moderation. So I would drink, I would eat whatever the fuck I wanted and I would continue to train hard. Uh, and for years I was battling a, a health condition, like internally. And it wasn't until last year that I realized like stress was eating me alive, but I thought I was living in moderation. I was like, ah, I, you know, I, I train hard. I eat whatever the fuck I want. Right. So, uh, but, yeah. but eating whatever you want actually ends up, uh, destroying your insides. It did. Yeah. The stress, the stress. And then on top of eating whatever it was I wanted, because I thought I was living in moderation, it was killing me. Are you trying to say George, that you were eating like excessive amounts of what? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was drinking, right? Like I was drinking like beer every night. Uh, you know, I would eat some pizza on the weekend. I would eat ice cream. I would eat steak and cheeses, whatever it was. I didn't care. I was like, that, sounds, that almost sounded moderate. I mean, I have a beer every night on the weekend and I may have pizza. George, am I, am I headed towards a <laughs> downfall? No, I don't think you are. I'm just saying like, I mean, you know, your body much more like going through the shit that you've gone through, but I didn't realize like that, that was eating me alive. I was like, there's no way um, that this is a condition that no one can figure out. And when I finally dropped moderation from my diet, like magically I'm, I'm hundred percent better. What, what would you say, um, is a, is a good, uh, diet now or for George, you know, what, what, what was that specifically for me? It was, I first cut alcohol. Are, do, my, you, do you not drink at all? I've been sober for now 15 months. Okay. And once, once I felt the effects of alcohol, 30 to 45 days, then I dropped dairy first. Um, and I went, I went a few months of that and then I cut gluten and then all together I started like slowly putting it back in. Um, but I try to keep it from my, my everyday regimen as much as possible. So you've kept alcohol out and your, you, uh, keep a close eye on dairy and gluten. Yep. Okay. So not bread every day, not pasta every day. Um, not gallons of milk. Most of my, most of the shit that I eat, like, so I, I, everyone asked me, how do I do it? I said, well, I don't do it in moderation. I cycle with them with my daughter. I enjoy my life with them with my daughter. Um, which means like if she wants an ice cream, I'm going to have ice cream with her, but I'll go for the dairy free option. Right. I won't get like ice cream cone with it. Uh, we don't have pizza just cause I don't eat that anymore. Um, but we make, I make everything whole. Like I'll make my own everything from homemade scratch when I'm with her, things like that. So I still enjoy life. Um, right. So you're not like a flexitarian, I call it flexitarian. 
Yeah, it's a flexible diet, right? Yeah. Life. I lean towards pesky though, because uh, that's eating fish and eggs and not red meat occasionally. So I have kind of a rule. Uh, I was a pure vegetarian in the monastery for 12 years, but um, it, occasionally, maybe once a quarter, uh, I will inject some, you know, I'll, I'll add um, some other kind of meat into the diet just because I crave it sometimes. I was raised on meat. Uh, I had no restriction growing up. So um, the other day I had, I had steak and eggs at a breakfast joint with my lady. Delicious. First time I've had steak in um, probably 13 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, food is, food is massive. But, you know, there, there's a truth to that being said. I, I do think many of us consume far too much protein than we, than we actually need. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that, that can destroy you pretty well, too. So. Did you, did you um, Rokas or George, have you, do you guys watch Netflix at all? I've seen that documentary you're talking about, Game Changers. Uh, no, I, yeah, I saw that, but, um, I'm not a fan of game changers because it, it started to kind of verge towards the extreme. Yeah, it was. As in like veganism will not only save your life, but like give you better erections. <laughs> that, that part was like, yeah, yeah. All right. But, um, there was a documentary about uh, octogenarians, so people who live past 100 years old. Huh. And the key ingredient for that was like moderation and everything, uh, not avoiding carbs, not avoiding uh, anything except, you know, leaning towards one extreme or another. So it was all about if you're going to have carbs, make the carbs yourself, make the yeah. bread, make the pasta yourself. Um, have a glass of wine every day it was be outside every day. It was this really holistic approach. And I was, I love that uh, because, you know, that's, that's maybe I love that because I'm biased, but I've seen the extremes. I've seen um, people, you know, and you've seen that George, you've lived that way. Uh, and I think it goes back to even Zen and, and Buddhism and Hinduism. And, and we go towards the extremes of things and we realize, Wait, 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 wait. I think the truth is actually it was back there a few a few signs ago where it was just um, all paths, but but everything in moderation. The thing, yeah, and I, I agree. The thing is sometimes people just don't understand what moderation is. So I believe that we use this term moderation so we can still continue to put the bad foods in our system. And then we're like, yeah, I'm just eating in moderation. But they're not people aren't most likely just facing the truth. Like I wasn't willing to face the truth that my what I thought was moderation probably was more than moderation, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is relative. It is relative. So if you go from drinking um, a 24 case of Coca-Cola every week and, and uh, moderation for you would probably be to drop that to half. Yeah. I would say like, as a coach, I would say, Hey, that's a, a big step in the right direction. Yeah. What's relative for that new person now is to cut that in half, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until Coke or whatever, soda or smoking or pornography or whatever is, is not as much a part of your life as, um, you know, as it once was. Mm-hmm. George, uh, all right, let's cut. Rokas, anything before we cut back into George's life? 
don't take it too far away into uh, the future. Not currently, no. All right, he's <laughs> chomping at the bit there to get to the present moment. Rokas is in the present moment. I'm building, I'm building it all up. We're gonna get to George today. So we're in the Marine Corps. You're learning not to steal and be an awful person, uh, <laughs> a monster. But you're not. You're just a young guy. We all have that kind of thing. I went through the same thing uh, when I was 19, as you heard. Um, by the way, George and I met on Zoom uh, in, a, in a men's group uh, on a mastermind call or whatever you call it, uh, a group coaching call when I lived in Denver. And uh, that's, through, um, that's through our mutual, mutual friend and your your, would you say your current mentor, George? Yeah, he's definitely a mentor. I still, he still helps me out. Yeah, Traver. Um, what's Traver's last name? Boehm. That's right. That's right. That's a German last name, I think. <laughs> why do I always talk about last names? I don't know why. <laughs> it means something, right? I mean, I, I right. I wrote, and part of the, one of my chapters, like I start the sentence was, I was born to rise. <laughs> so I think, I think I talk about last names sometimes. And I think I try to learn about the person's histories because I believe in um, ancient mythology and learning through ancient mythologies. Hmm. And I think if we learn about our past, we can kind of fix a lot of stuff that we would, you know, fall into. Hmm. All right. And by the way, your your setup for tip five. All right, so you're you've just figured out not to steal. You got your ass kicked, and you're humbling yourself. You're being humbled in a controlled, chaotic environment. Um, have you ever been deployed at this point? No, no, because it, it took me a while to get deployed. In fact, so that'll bring me to the next one, which was mastering my body, um, which brought me to my next part. But uh, so basically, boot camp is 13 weeks. Then you go to combat training if you're not an infantry guy. And I was very smart. I got a uh, 93 out of 99 on the ABSFAB test, which is what you get to get into the, in the military. Okay. And so, like, my recruiters were like, dude, you're not going infantry. You're too fucking smart. Like, pick something. And so I became an air traffic controller. Um, but it brings me to the next part, master my body. In that process, my buddies were being deployed uh, to Iraq at the time. It was a young Marine, 2004. And because I was air traffic control, they're like, no, you're not getting deployed. You need, you're, you're, we're spending millions of dollars you to stay here and make sure everyone gets over safety. So in that process, I was really mad and I was like, well, I want to get deployed and they wouldn't let me get deployed. So I had to uh, think of another way that I could go on to do something more. And that was, I went on to guard American embassies, but I couldn't guard American embassies one until I learned to master the basics of being a Marine. And that means you have to be proficient in your jobs. So I had to be proficient in air traffic control and I had to master my body. Like, I mean, really master my body. So that's when I learned to like hone in on the, what the Marine Corps requirements were and go above and beyond to get into this duty. That was a special duty, a special B billet that only 5% of Marines could uh, ever get into. So Physi are we talking about uh, physical uh, or psychological or both? It kind of is deal with both, but mostly first uh, physical for sure. Yeah. I think the mind will come the more you challenge your body. Um, at least it did yeah. for me. It did that. I can attest to that. So you're saying like 42 pull-ups, 100 push-ups in a minute or something. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the Marine Corps standards aren't that high to be truthful. Like, oh, really? I'm, I'm embarrassed saying this, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, 
Well, you so didn't make the standards. No, I didn't make the standards. So don't uh, be embarrassed. But it's it's basically ran to get into the Marine Corps. You only need fifty five sit ups, which is like nothing. Uh, um, you only have to run a mile and a half in less than thirteen minutes. That's like nothing. Wow, really? You only have to do like five pull ups. I think that's minimal. <laughs> wow, I could walk a mile in. Like yeah, you can like you can jog like literally like you can jog like if I'm sprinting a mile and a half, it's like usually nine or ten minutes, which is pretty good. Um, but like you could walk a mile and a half if you're in good shape, like thirteen to fifteen minutes probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyways, that brings me up. So I mastered my body in that process to go on to American Embassy duty because I wanted something more. But if I didn't learn to dig deeper in my body during that time, I probably would have just been like, okay, I'll do what you guys say. So I think mastering your body can give you an edge in life uh, when things begin to pull you from every direction, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that's interesting that you said that, so there's a minimum requirement in this um, system and you, you, and I know you've seen this, you, you think that everyone coming into the system is trained a certain way and they adhere to the protocol and they become this refined person. But I bet there's people who do the basic minimum. They don't strive and they don't actually learn what they were supposed to learn about, about honor, courage, commitment, and integrity and things like that. They probably just fly, you know, below the radar and, you know, you never know. They can still, they come out in the world and this happened in the monastery. They didn't actually, you know, they, they did a decade, you know, alongside me but they didn't actually learn that much. Oh yeah. Oh so, yeah, that, happens, that happens a lot. What, um, all right. So I, I, I'm, I like this, uh, embassy thing. You went into that, um, and, and then were deployed. Yeah. So like essentially as I learned to master my body, I got accepted into embassy duty. It's a special B billet. I was the youngest Marine in my class. So most Marines have, who go to embassy duty are, uh, have been in the Marine Corps for four or five years because it's like, a, like hey, you re-enlist, you want to go again. I was only in the Marine Corps for two and a half years. Um, and before I even got accepted, I got denied two other times. Right? So I get, I get accepted. I go to embassy duty. It's a six-week uh, hardcore training at the Quantico, Virginia, with the FBI Academy. And you go through like – like you're learning how to clear houses, shoot guns, like be a master of weaponry, like all this amazing cool shit that you see on James Bond. Uh, so like I was 20 years old, like I'm like, fuck yeah, this is amazing. I'm James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, then I found out on NBC duty, it was like nothing like that. But at least I thought I was James Bond for a little bit. NBC <laughs> duty, you're, are you a security guard? You have a, a radio in your ear and you're just waiting. So I don't, have you ever been to an American embassy? Yes. Uh, I've been to an embassy uh, out of the country. So an American embassy, what makes Marines at American embassies are their main mission is to guard classified material. So Marines are in the first line of defense at an embassy that has classified material. So when you go into an embassy, at first you have the local guards, but when you enter the embassy, the first person you will see is a Marine. We're dressed up in blues. We got our hat on. We're, like, we're looking all macho, savage, whatever. Um, so that is our role to protect classified material. So if you came into an American embassy at any country, you would deal with me I'd make sure you're on the list and then I'd let you in. We, I know basically we get trained to know firsthand where every little thing is 
in the MC. Every little nooks and cranny where this picture is, where that picture is, uh, because that's our, just our job. So essentially that's what I did for three years. Did that drive you insane? Uh, I, I can't say it drove me insane, but it, it, it drove me other ways. Like I got, I got addicted to alcohol. Uh, I got addicted to, you know, like going out and doing really bad things to women and all these crazy things. Cause I, I think because I was so, uh, had to uphold the identity in one area that my other area was like, like just wanting to let loose. And I was in third world country. So the, the game was right. Was, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I have a friend. Uh, yes. I've heard stories. Um, so would you say that that position drove you insane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It drove me deep into depression. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what so you're in you're in essentially it's almost like a would, is that a rock bottom or was it pre you know was it pre that? Uh, that was, so that was pre that was pre that was just the start of it because my my best friend had just got killed in iraq when i was on embassy dude i couldn't go and then i came home to to bury him and it was a state and then i went then like it was like just the turning ropes and then in that process i got a girl pregnant but we didn't, we had an abortion and I kept drinking. And so I kept pushing all these things deep down inside. And at the end of my three years, they shoved me to Iraq. So I went to Iraq with all this stuff and I just never let it process. And then yeah, time kept going. So that was like the, I guess the beginning of it. Keep going. What are, so, so what is, what is this? um, I'm going to try to to dissect some of that narrative. Um, So now you are, uh, we're at war. We at yeah. War? yeah, we're at war. This is two. So I was on embassy duty 2005. Yeah. So we're definitely, we're about two years into the war now. Okay. And our war, um, is different now. We are, we, we go into another country and we mobilize in smaller units in, in, in stages, right? So we set up a command post, uh, explore out, get who we can for Intel and then set up another command post a little farther and reach farther and farther into um, these territories and it's not, we're not, it's not one line here and one line here and we're shooting at each other. It's, it's all, it's small battle, right? Yeah. It's like main objective was just infantry, like just get in there and just find Saddam Hussein at that point. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so like, I, I, I was not, I was on embassy guarding American embassies at the time. So I wasn't doing that, but I had friends who were over there like in that fight. Um, so when I was on embassy duty, I was like, I guess upset that my, my best friend got killed and I wasn't with him. Um, and then, so like I drove, I just kept drinking and fighting that and not processing that. And they're like, Hey, even you should go home. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go home. I, I got this. And so for three years, I guarded embassies like party and drinking while the war was going on and, like just pushing that deep down. Um, and it didn't really catch up to me until, you know, a few years ago, actually. Oh, you were deployed and guarding embassies. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. It's, I don't know how to explain it all, but basically embassy duty was 2005 to 2000 end of 2007. Right. And then almost three years. And then from 2008, all of 2008, I was deployed to Iraq, came back to California waited a year and then all of 2010 i was deployed then came back got out of the marine corps so when you're deployed you're you're guarding iraq 
you're in Iraq guarding U.S. embassies or? No, no. So embassy duty was only three years long, right? Okay. So when you're so, at, let's, let's go into George at a deployment. Um, yep. You continue bad behavior, uh, negative feedback loops. Is that right? As, did you ever fire your weapon, for example? No. Okay. Nope. So I'm trying to gain a picture of George's deployed, George's day-to-day -day on deployment in Iraq. So that was 2008, uh, just after embassy duty. So I was, uh, I guess I was just a young sergeant, like nothing crazy. Our job at that time was to close down a massive air base. So there was not a lot of quote unquote combat going on at that time because it was the end of Iraq war. So that was actually a very easy deployment. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it was cakewalk, right? Not a lot of combat besides a few, you know, I, uh, explosives here and there piece of cake. Um, that was the easy one, but I came back post Iraq and the behaviors kicked back in. Yeah. And I got a DUI. Right. So like, I, like Iraq, I, I, I think Iraq for me gave me a chance to like settle again, the calmness, like kind of find the in between. But then when I came back, I was involved deep in society again. So I found a pickup artist industry and I kept drinking and having a good time like that. So. Okay. Okay. And, and all of that makes sense to me um, because as you were saying, one side of you has to perform um, and we can easily perform. We can easily be duplicitous, right? We can split ourselves and perform on one level, but um, in order to satisfy um, our appetites, you know, we can, we can go into another world. We can go into an underworld where we control, um, you know, how much stimulus we get and we go overboard and, and go into these dark, dark areas. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially, I guess that's how I felt. I never really looked at it as like a problem until now I can see looking back, it was, but for me, it was part of the culture, right? We would go like get deployed. We'd be all like together for nine months, 10 months with no alcohol, no, no girls, no nothing like doing the things we do. And then we come back and here we are. It's like unleashing, unleashing the wolves. Right. So here I am in, in Southern California. It's, gorgeous right women all over the place you know and so for post iraq i would i was having a great time with my friends and out there and partying with porn stars you name it like i was just in the pickup artistry like having a great time and then i got to dui and that actually started the like oh shit like i'm not invincible right like all this caught up to me so that's going to be my number six is going to be um for humans don't be duplicitous if you're going to maintain a standard, maintain it all throughout. Do it when no one is looking and when people are looking. Don't be two different people. Yeah, I mean, it ties into integrity, which I guess could tie into the next point. Like, I feel like you can make your life binary on top of that, though, right? So you go can go, on. You, like, binary meaning you can go all in. Like, let's say you have this uh, identity or work ethic or whatever you need to you go all in on that, but then you also have to go in on, on recovery. Or you can't go all in on being uh, this this magical creature, or this this amazing human, or whatever identity, and then go all in on on hardcore uh, partying as well, right? To go all in on one and then recovery on the other, right? So high high performance requires balance, rest high, and recovery. Definitely requires a binary life for sure. All right, let's let. So is that your number seven? Yeah. Oh, I like it. All right. Um, you're saying don't or be binary 
be binary. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand how to be binary. Mine was just a go, go, go. Interesting. And I'm going to, I'm going to sub, sub, um, assign that to, um, balance. Balance is key. Why don't we just, do we have balance already in the list? Let's just call it balance. Yeah, I'll just call those ones balance. Yeah. <laughs> balance. Balance. All right. So, you know, the Marine Corps doesn't, I mean, they can only do so much, right? It doesn't really teach, like it does teach you to be a fucking amazing leader in the world and things like that. But like, unless you're an elite unit like the SEALs or like I was on embassy duty, but even so they had a hard time with that. Like it's hard to teach an everyday Marine to have balance because you're so focused on the mission at hand. And so whenever you're done your mission, like you, you want to let loose. Like, I want to let loose. And I don't know how to like talking about our feelings in the Marine Corps is not something that we did. So like I, I, I took towards alcohol and partying to, to like, to let loose. It's all I knew. Yeah. The map, the male, um, you know, masculine energy will, when not channeled properly, will go towards, um, self-harm in regards to alcohol and, uh, pushing one to the edge or as uh, feminine energy that gets, um, uh, misses the mark and it gets all twisted up. will go for, um, seeking love from the wrong people, seeking appreciation, validation, and, and love from the wrong person. Instead of um, a father uh, figure of her actual father, it'll be someone else. And, and usually there's, there's um, you know, bad intentions uh, with that, that father figure that she chooses in my, in my coaching experience and my research and things like that. You know what I mean? No, I know. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I, for me, it was, you know, what was the looking back and I had this, this, these massive revelations. So here I was in the Marine Corps. I'm now 25, 26, right? I'm a staff, I'm, I'm staff sergeant. It's pretty good, pretty good rank to E6. Um, and so most of the people my age were married, had families. Also, I didn't have that. And so like, I didn't know how to connect because like these people had families. I don't know. I didn't know what to do. Like, I, I didn't know what that meant or how they fed. So like I was partying with younger kids. Right. And I was partying with, or people my age are a little bit older that didn't have families. So I didn't understand how to connect. And that was the only way I thought. So uh, that was where I was at in my life until that DUI hit. And I was like, fuck, like I'm, I'm not invincible. Our um, DUI is what year? 2009, late 2009. I just got promoted to staff sergeant. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm, un un I'm invincible. <laughs> did they, did they um, penalize you in the military for that? Yeah, so basically I got uh, half months no pay and I couldn't drive for, uh, I couldn't drive on base, which was very embarrassing as a staff sergeant uh, for three months. So I had to basically get rides every single, I could, uh, I worked out, our lawyer worked out where I was able to drive to and from work, but I could not drive on base. So I would have to park my car off base, call someone to get me, take me to work. It was so embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that goes on for how long? Uh, that was, you know, a process of six months or seven months, you know, figuring that out, trying to find out what my next steps were and, uh, I realized my unit was going to Afghanistan. They're like, dude, you're not going to Afghanistan, man. You just got a DUI. I was like, hell no. Wow. I was like, I was like, I just trained with you guys for years. Like I'm ready. I just took a team. Like I created my own team ready to go to like deploy in this whole little like Ford operating base. And I was like going through all the missions. And so I worked out a deal again because I had never gotten in trouble before to uh, 
bust my ass off and teach them classes about alcoholism and addiction. And I did that. And they uh, granted me access to go to uh, Afghanistan with them. But guess what they did? I didn't get to lead my own team. They didn't tell me this till I got there. I fucking sat in the office. And uh, that yeah. yeah. <laughs> I fucking sucked. So I was like the last year in the Marine Corps sitting in the office and 2010 was a big push for the war. And like, I was excited to do all the stuff and I never got to do it. I was uh, in Afghanistan in a big operating base while everybody was doing all the cool shit. Yeah. 2010. So are, are we in, um, so, well, okay. We're way past mission accomplished. Um, Bush we're in Obama. Yeah. We're two years post Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, that's, that's, that leaves a, that left an imprint on your brain, on your soul. Yeah, that, that was it. So that was like time to get out, man. You did everything you could. It showed me like one, it showed me like, okay, like I understand I made a mistake. I had to own up that, but it also showed me like the Marine Corps is the Marine Corps. It doesn't matter what your track record is or was or who you are. Like they, they literally do what they want with you. And I was like, cool. I'm done. Time okay. So you decided, uh, 2000, 10. 2010, um, you were getting out. I decided I was getting out. Yep. You didn't want to, you didn't want to go on for a 20 year career at that point. No, nope. I was at the mark 10 years in and it was like, you're crazy. You're getting out of 10 years. I was like, rather get out than be miserable. So, so you, uh, you were going to, were you, were you thinking you were going to be 20 years? Oh yeah. I had the, I had to envision, you know, the, the Marine that would retire, like do all the cool shit. Like I had a lot of more, like a lot of amazing shit I wanted to do in the Marine Corps. Um, but you know, I realized that having that one bad record was going to destroy my career. So I got out. What's that process like of getting out, facing people, looking at people in the eyes and having these last conversations? Yeah. I mean, I, they, they did exactly like I said, they, they, they put me in the office. I sat and did paperwork for eight months of my life in the Marine Corps. And it was miserable. And, and it, did it take eight months in the office up to get out like that? Well, it had, process. Contract, right. So I had a contract and my, my final, uh, after it was almost just under short 10 years was like July 1st, 2011. So we got back at the end of October in 2010. So from October, 2010 to July, 2011, they're like, all right, you're not going to train anymore. You're going to sit in the office. You're going to pre for all this. And it was like, it was just miserable. So here, like, a lot of my friends were doing all this cool missions and all this cool shit. And I was just like signing all the paperwork for all that to happen. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So then, all right. All right. In your mindset here at this stage, you're doing the office work. You're, you're, you're getting out. They know you're getting out. You're waiting. You're biding your time. Um, are you preparing yourself for leaving, are you telling family? Are you? Uh, no, I, I didn't know what it was. Talk about chaos. Uh, I had no clue what to expect. All I knew was uh, I was getting out. I was actually applying for for master's degrees in business because um, I, I had a bachelor's degree already. Um, and no one had helped me. No one was helping me. I had no one to look to like because my leaders are like, fuck you, you're getting out. You know, yeah. figure it out. You're 27. Hey, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I didn't know any of the process. So here I was studying for GMATs, trying to get into all these schools. Um, and I'm horrible. At, I wasn't too good at test taking because of the time, like all the craziness. So I applied all these schools, not realizing that I um, could have actually applied and went forward it because they love military. But instead I was so like, Oh, you need a, 
750 to get into these schools. I got like a 580. It's not even close. So I didn't apply to all these schools. So I came home to New Hampshire. I took a road trip across America and uh, enjoyed my last, you know, my summer of 2011 uh, on the road and then came back to New Hampshire and got an MBA in New Hampshire. So, yeah. And all right. So, okay. That's going to lead me into number eight. All right. So lean on your own spine to depend on no one essentially. Now that's relative to it's, I think it's okay to get help. It's, it's, it's okay to, you know, you don't want to be too proud and, and not get help from anyone. But essentially, at the end of the day, you've got to put in the work. You've got to be an island. And, and we were taught that in the monastery and that we, we said, lean on your own spine. you got a spine. Depend on it. Um, you know, use that, use that uh, force, essentially. And don't think that someone else is going to kind of save you. But you, you've got to save yourself. Yeah, and I, I had heard all those stories. You know, but I was like, nah, come on. I did 10 years. Like someone's got to help me here. But as I was going through the process, no one had any answers, you know? Yeah. It was, it was like, they treated me like I was an 18 year old kid. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. I had like, I'm not that I expected awards or medals, but luckily I had some really good friends that I developed in 10 years. Like, and I have an amazing plaque. Right. But most people who do 10 years in guard American embassies get like a few little accommodations, things like that. They gave me a little piece of paper that said, congratulations for doing 10 years in the Marine Corps. And that's it. Luckily, I had my friends who threw me a party on the outside when I was getting out. They gave me a nice plaque. But like no Marine, like no leaders, no senior leaders recognized anything that I did. And I was like, wow, amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, 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 you know, put a little tarnish on my, on my uh, heart there, you know, but like you said, Spine, no one's going to save you. And at the end of the day, you can take full responsibility for uh, your actions. And I, and I can understand, like, from an organization higher level, like, I apparently let them down, too. You know, most people don't do 10 years and get out. Most people go on, right? So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so. yeah, so, I mean, at, at that point, I was just till 20. I felt like, you know, even Traver helped me recognize this. Like, I felt like a little kid again. I was a little kid again because I never had a chance. The Marine Corps like confines so much of you. So if you go to, I, I never went to college, but uh, from what I understand, if you go to college, you have these chance to learn like emotional stability. You get to have fun. You get to experience different people and do all this stuff. Like I was doing that, but I was confined. So I never developed an emotional stability or i never had like a solid relationship. I never knew what any of that was because the Marine Corps pushed that away. And so here I was, when I got out of the Marine Corps, like I immediately got involved in a relationship. Like right away, I was like, "Wow, this is a beautiful young girl who takes interest in me. Cool, like let's <laughs> let's let's do this." Um, and that set the frame for the foundation to come. Um, and I was battling a lots of things because I was still trying to figure out my life. But because someone took interest in my life for the first time, I, I fell in love. You know. So. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, all right, so you're re you're you're out here. You're rebuilding yourself. MBA. Um, are you, and you, as you meet someone, is this, is this, um, your ex? Yeah, this is my ex-wife. Yeah. The mother to your child. Mother to my child. Yeah. How long were you guys together for? So 2011 to, we got divorced last year, 2019. So eight years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And did you, well, so, all right, let's take this period a little carefully here. You, 
um, are smitten and you're working? Um, so uh, I'm actually unemployed. I'm getting an MBA. Uh, I, at this point, like I was, I was very comfortable with who I was. I was at the point where I was like, I don't give two fucks what's going on. I'm going to get an MBA. Right. I'm going to go work for like capital Bain company or whatever it was. Right. That was on my mind. I was like, I'm a Marine. I'm going to fucking do this in that process. I realized it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. Uh, so I actually took a job overseas in Afghanistan as a contractor. Oh, um, who did yeah. you contract with? Uh, KBR. Ah, KB. Okay. KBR just uh, offered me a contract. Yeah. So it was really good money. My friends were out there doing it. I was an air traffic controller and I was like, you know what? This gives me an opportunity to pay off all my debt. Right. And start free. And I was like, fuck it. So let's do it. So I did that. That was 2012. Uh, I put my MBA on hold. Obviously put my relationship on hold. We did the long distance thing. And I did that for a year. And then we would, we would, you know, we would, I would fly her out and we would travel the world together. I'd pay for everything, you know, smitten by her and did all that fun stuff. Came back 2013. I asked her to marry me. A noble thing to do. I mean, I'm sure you don't have any regrets, right? No, definitely no regrets. You know, I mean, we, we traveled the world and everything was good. She waited for me and I figured, you know, I'm about to be 30. Like if someone can wait for me in a combat zone, like, then this person must be the one. How old is she? She's 30. So we're six years apart. Uh, okay. So right now she's. Yeah. So now you're, now you're starting to see the story. So like she was, I was 21 now. 27. She's 21. Yeah. She's 36 <laughs> yeah. now. I'm 36 now. She's 30. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 You're 36 now. You're an old man. You can't remember what we're talking about. No. <laughs> Although this part, this part I can remember pretty well. Um, and okay. So now we're getting into the territory of, I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and guess here uh, hypothesis you're both growing at different rates. We are definitely both growing at different weights. And that's the part of the, the, my life where George becomes from going from Mr. Macho, uh, marble arrow man to complete nice guy, like mm -hmm. smitten by women. Right. Does, does that scare you at all? Like in a maturing, you know, are you starting to be concerned about settling down with one person? I'm, Definitely still concerned. Happy, uh, I'm I'm dating, and uh, you know my daughter uh, has not met this person yet. Um, and but they they you know she FaceTimes, and my daughter's like, my dad is gonna marry, and I was like, no 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 no, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with that. Meanwhile, her mom's already you know deep into that stuff, and uh, I just think is it is it scary? Yeah, but I, I think I have a lot. I'm more in a confident place where I know myself more. I have a lot more self-discovery to do that I never got a chance to do before that I'm doing right now. No, well, were you, were you worry, worrying about settling with your ex? Like in, you know, you guys are growing apart 2012, 13, 14. Um, what starts to conflict here as you grow apart? All right. Yeah, yeah. So I get it. So we're, we're really good in the beginning, like most people. Um, you know, I, I, I had a dream of opening a gym and starting a performance coach and she was getting a nutritional degree. So we very collided very well. Oh. But then I, so it was really good. And I took an internship though, working for professional athletes and that was a six month unpaid. 
And what I realized was, which, which I'm very thankful for, is they helped me realize that opening a gym was not easy. God, and, uh, right? Right. And so I'm glad I didn't open a gym. And I'm still very glad I didn't open a gym. Um, so is but, your number nine, don't open a gym? <laughs> yeah. Don't open a gym, man. Even I think even Traver will tell you the same fucking thing. <laughs> and many other people will. Uh, All right. But, so maybe number nine is um, do your research. Do your research first, yeah. Do like, your research. Go on, sir. So at that point, um, I'm at there, you know, I'm a Marine, I'm, I'm a work ethic. I'm a hard driver, like I'll work, work, work. And after starting the fitness industry in one of the top facilities in the world, like that set me up for my foundation. I, I met a lot of strength coaches. I started to write for magazines. I started to get my name out there as a coaching world. I started to speak. Oh, wow. Out at other gyms, right? Teaching other coaches what to do, things like that. Um, and in that whole exact time, like marriage came, <laughs> then the baby came, like I'm, I'm shortchanging it so we don't talk forever. So here I am working, 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 and I'm forgetting about the other part of life. I'm forgetting about love. Right? I'm forgetting about that because I thought that I had to provide. So I was doing all these things, yet I became consumed in work and that nice guy that never knew how to say what I was feeling. So it was an ultimatum with everything I did to be truthful. Like it hurts to say that, but like, it was like, Oh, I bought you this nice car. I bought you this nice ring. I bought you this, you have this house that I bought all these things that I thought were what love and family was about, but I never knew how to say like, Hey, how are you feeling? This sucks. Like, are we moving too fast here? And so that was, you could imagine like in the course of a few years over how that destroyed a connection. Right. So, um, did she have an affair? Yes. Yeah. Um, she'll, she'll still like to say that never happened that way. Um, which is okay. Um, but she's still, she's still with that man today. Yeah. So yeah, you, you were growing apart physically, uh, psychologically and you know, that attention has to come from somewhere. She has to. And, and meanwhile, maybe you can even admit this she's giving you red flags. She's probably, oh, yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. are you in there? Dumb, dumb. Oh yeah. And you're, you've got, you've got your blinders on and you're focused. And to you, your contribution is the, the supporting side, but fit with, with financials. And that's not the complete picture. No, essentially I was never able to hear what she was saying. Like I didn't realize she lost trust with, with me a long time ago. Um, because I would say I would do one thing, then I would go on to the next, like I'd work longer hours, I'd do more things. And I was just never, I was, and I had so much resentment, resentment myself. I'd never even expressed it. You know, she could, she could have a schedule where she would have a day off, but because I was in the fitness industry, I was working from like five in the morning to eight o'clock at night. I'm like, I was like, you get all these days off. How come there's no food on the table or what, what the fuck's going on? You know, <laughs> it was just a nightmare. So, wow. And I guess when it all went down and said, uh, I found out on a, like that, that the massive change was, was on Mother's Day, which was hurtful, um, 2018. So seven years after we met. And then that just threw me in a downward spiral, I guess. I took over, I, I went to bodybuilding. I said, fuck it, I'll go extreme. You, you, you don't like me, I'll go bodybuilding. <laughs> did, you, did you cut it off at that point upon hearing it? Or did you say, well, maybe we can make this work? 
no, we tried to, we tried to make it work. Right. And uh, couples, I wrote an article on this, uh, couples therapy gave me the truth, but not the truth I was looking to find. The, the, the truth was that we, our relationship was gone long before that. Yeah. And, and uh, the one thing I try to help relationship people with or couples with um, is that you never look at the person the same way. I mean, it's it, 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 because we can both, you can both take equal blame. You can say, okay, I didn't give you the attention you need. And she says, okay, I, I actually broke your trust in, in me. But at the, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, to repair that requires. Um... Yeah, it was, too, it was too hard. I wasn't, I, I mean, I can't go back, but I know I was an empty shell for like years for at least since the baby was born. I, I didn't know how to deal with that. I really didn't. I, I don't think I had the emotional stability for it. I wasn't ready. I was focused on my career trying to build and all the finances and everything hit. So because I was so empty for so long, there was no trust build with that. Right. So I, I get it. Like she felt alone in that process. I was alone in this process. So there we were just fake, right. For a few years and eventually it just broke. Mm. So. Um, do you, your recommendation to people now, six years too much? Six years for what? Apart, six years apart in age. Sorry. Six years apart as what? In age. Um, you know, I don't know if age makes a difference. It's hard to say. Like, I don't want to be the call on that, but I, I do believe that has some kind of play into it, right? Like I was, I was at a point where I was trying to get to know myself. And then here was this young girl in the middle of college. So I had just gone through 10 years of massive life experience that there was no way a 21 year old person could relate to that. So like I felt already disconnected at that point. So yeah, I think at that point it could be, but I guess it's all relative to someone, right? I don't know. How yeah. to and there's no wrong answer. It's, it's an opinion expressed from experience and research. I think, yeah. At our point we were just two different people when we met too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, friends today or enemies? Uh, I have done a lot of work to make our relationship as, as well as it can get. Yeah. yeah. So we, we co-parent really well. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have much. I don't, I don't really think we need to touch much more on that. Uh, let's, Rokas, anything before I pivot just slightly? I'm not going to, you know. Um, depends what you pivot to. Um, okay, I guess yeah, I'll ask. Uh, what other things do you do now that you haven't mentioned? Yeah. That I do today? Yeah. I mean, um, exactly where I was in going. the present moment. Okay. Yeah, during, I mean, during, the, during that process, like I was just all in. I never, I never journaled. I never meditated. I never took part of therapy. I never took part of men's group. I, I, I didn't, I thought because I was a Marine that I could, I could, I had the resiliency and willpower and grit to do whatever the fuck I wanted. Uh, and eventually that caught up into a suicidal period. So today, yeah, rather than wake up and crush caffeine and go work out as much as I love fucking training my morning, it will just call it a Zen, but I'll just call it mindfulness is, 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 is just chill the fuck out. Instead of being like so turned on by life and rush into the uh, the zings and bangs and pulls of life, I get up, 
and I drink like a hydration cocktail. It's like uh, Himalayan salt and some lime, squirt it in, chug it, turn the coffee pot on. I sit for, I don't know, anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, depending on what I can do uh, and just silence and set my intentions for the day while I'm there. Like I just tell myself, like, I, I, I want to be able to, to write today. I want to, and I tell myself what's going to happen. And then I get in journal and then I, I get to work. Right. So I basically yeah. try to find places of where I enter a state of flow yeah. to get to be creative. Right? I love it. I, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm calling out this last one. Number 10 is Zen. I love that. Yeah. Whatever you want to call Zen. I don't know what the, that's your area of expertise, right? That is. <laughs> Why? <But> thank you. <laughs> whatever the, whatever the fuck we want to call it. Um, you know, but I find them, I find my mornings best. And there's a lot of people say like, that's bullshit. Like use your mornings, to be productive, go whatever. I think everyone has something to do, but I'm saying for me, I was a hard charger and go getter my whole entire life. And look what that did for me. So now I start the morning in a little bit more relaxed state and I feel way more productive than ever before. That's interesting. You say that. It's, I love I that. Heard that before. Cause usually it is things like uh, be productive in your mornings. Cause it's what will, snowball the rest of your day um so yeah like that's just what i've had just be like go hard in the mornings but now you're saying take it easy and yeah plan out your day and just chill that's interesting perspective i like that yeah it's, it's a new i'm still learning it's a new perspective and maybe there will be a point in my life where i go back to working out first thing but right now with balancing single fatherhood the crazy co uh, chaos of covid and starting my own business and then writing a book I feel like starting a day with a little bit more calmness is is, mm -hmm. is a perfect start. <laughs> so, uh, man, I'm going to chime in here. Brokos, that was amazing. I'm, I'm really glad you you hit the hammer, uh, hit the nail on the head right there. So I, I think that we have way too much. Um, so I And this is in some of my posts. You may have seen it before. It's 2020. Doesn't mean you have to own your own business. Uh, all, all I see on social media and in the world is entrepreneurship porn, motivation porn, like, like go, go, go. And, 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 you know, this is what millionaires do and this is what you're doing. And, and it's like, you know, it's so um, myopic. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's for people who really don't know what the hell is going on in my opinion. And mm -hmm. it's taking the ritual out of success. It's, it's taking, the meaning and purpose out of life and it's directing it towards this is how you make a million dollars in six months. And you know, that that's good and all like you can really start to earn $10,000 a month. You can do that. You can, you can uh, start your own business and be a um, solopreneur and all that. And, and next month there'll be a new word to explain the fact that someone starts a business. Um, but at the same time that could kill you and no one says that and there's nothing wrong in with working for someone else there's there's nothing wrong with uh waking up early reflecting on something gardening watering a plant and then going to your nine to five and coming home at the end of the day yep and um you know, I say that as an entrepreneur, I say that, or as a solopreneur, I guess, as, as someone who is, is, is in that world, but I've always had one foot in, in working for someone else. I never go off hundred percent by myself. I always, um, I always have one foot in, in something I know that I can fall back on and I have one foot in 
I'm blind. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm going out and step, stepping this way. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's powerful like that. That's, I mean, I have been told the reason why I've gone all in recently is because of, I, I was always in, I had the limited belief in my head, like do a little bit more, do a little bit more, do a little bit more, wait for the next skill. But in reality, like 10 years of Marine Corps experience, 10 years as a performance coach, like, okay, George, it's fucking time. Like you yeah. went through a course, like I can coach like some good shit if I have to. And I have done it over the last few months. I've seen some massive transformations with amazingly, which is women, which is insane. But uh, you know, like, I was always like, go, 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 because I had my Gary V turned on like, okay, work, 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 work. What I didn't realize though, in my, my uh, friend from Jordan side was his personal trainer. He's like, dude, Gary V is a worker. But what you don't see is when he turns off, he turns off. Right. We don't see that side. Uh, all I see is social media. Gary, v, he fucking sleeps seven, eight hours a night. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but we'll be under the impression that he doesn't. We'll be under the pressure on, on these things. And I did that. Like, I hired these business coaches who told me like six months to six figures and all this bullshit because I wasn't in touch with who I was. So how could I make six figures in a business if I didn't know what the fuck was going on in my life? Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I, in Ramit, I can't Ramit, I'll teach you how to be rich. Do you know that? Um, but he, yeah. he, he even tells people like, you do not need to own your own business to be completely financially stable. You do not need to own your own business to get rich, right? If you love your job and you have some type of like autonomy in your life and you're creating mastery and purpose, like then you can be rich, right? Successful, happy, right? And I think that builds to what you said. Yeah. So Zen, I mean, and so, so the 10th thing that someone can do to get better, uh, make some part of your day self-reflective, ritual-based, and, and filled with meaning and purpose that reminds you, at least this is for me, re that reminds you that you're going to die. Yeah, that's it's huge. coming. And go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, how, I, how I started to view this thing, which is really keeps me in connect, is the end is death. And so right now, life is happening, and everything is in between, right? Yeah. I was I was chasing some magical thing, like driven by external happiness. Like I'll get there. I'll get there. But like, that's death. Like I'm forgetting about all the cool shit in front of me. Right. If I, I can't go back, but I, I mean, happiness was right in front of me my whole entire fucking life. I had the house, I had the, the, the family, all this cool shit. But uh, because I was way out there, I didn't realize that. And yeah. honestly, now like happiness for me, like I do a dance with my daughter when she wakes up, it's fucking amazing. Right. It's like, you know, I don't care about working. She's up. Work is done in the morning. I'm dancing. We're playing. We're cuddling. And lo and behold, I haven't had a toddler fit in months. Knock on wood. But <laughs> nice. You know, yeah. So, um, how old? She's four and a half. Four and a half. All right. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm coming into that world January. We have we have the first one. So I'm just taking it all in. What you're saying. <laughs> You know, it's, I don't think anyone can teach you how to be a parent. And I don't think anybody's ever ready to be a parent. You just learn, just like life, you just learn as you go. Mm -hmm. um, but what I, what I have learned a lot is, uh, and you, you might be really good at it because it's your passion and your drive, but um, the more I am able to like learn more about like calming down and finding the in-between, the less reactive she is, right? Yeah. And I'll flip it on her. When she has a fit and she has those fits, I'll just be like, what are you doing? And she'll start yeah. getting so mad. Like, and you know, I'm teaching her boundaries and like she can get her own stuff, but it's cool. You know, 
Amazing. It's definitely challenging. So, so <laughs> and I, it, yeah, new, newborn. Uh, I don't remember much in the newborn days because um, I was working a lot and I was exhausted. I fell asleep at the wheel. I did a lot of things uh, working too much, but that looking back, like that was actually the easier stage because it was like changing diapers. This is like the most challenging, most interactive, most demanding phases because they're still not old enough to get the things that they need, but they can speak and they can have all these fits. And so it's like a host of emotions, right? So. Do you feel like it's, um, huh, is it, is it full circle into your, um, you know, seeing yourself and, 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 and evolving as an adult and a man and, yeah, even though, I mean, you're not done yet. You know, you're not. You don't have a daughter. I've healed so much through her. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's like a total circle. Like it, I don't know where I would be without her. But having her in my life every day allows me to connect with like parts of me I never connected before. Yeah. She sees me cry. She sees me laugh. She sees me struggle. Um, you know, uh, the other day she was riding a bike and she fell down. She started crying. I said, you know what? I gave her a hug and I said, daddy falls down all the time. I was like, you just don't see it. And then she gave me a big hug. She's like, do you fall? Does it hurt? I said, yeah, it hurts all the time. And you know what? I take a big deep breath and I get back up. She's like, I'll get up. I'll go on that bike. Uh, <laughs> so she got on the bike and she drove again. So I love yeah, it. it's fun. <sighs> Rokas, anything before I pivot again? No. <laughs> yeah, my life, I, I, I think of it, you know, and that's how I got to write a book. I didn't realize I had so much that I've done. I don't even really, I'm still learning how to tell this story. Um, but I originally started writing a book for veterans last year. And it was just a word blurb, like all the deep emotions. And then my, my, my mentor, old friend is a, is a New York Times bestseller. He's a very good writer. He teaches copywriting today. I was like, Hey man, can you just check this out? He's like, dude, this has got a lot of good shit. He's like, but it's not stuff you want to put out into the world. And then he gave me some tips and I started writing this one now. So. Exciting. Yeah. Do you have, um, so when do you think, uh, well, how, how many, how many pages do you have so far? Words? I don't, I don't know. I haven't been looking at that. I know I got a seven chapter outline. I'm on chapter five right now. Oh, so excellent. Excellent. two chapters left. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, agent or publicist or self self uh, publisher or self publish. We had that quick conversation a little bit ago. Um, I'm not really sure where I'm going to go yet. Mm -hmm. I'll take it as we go, I guess. Yeah. Best of luck, man. I hate that journey. <laughs> I don't envy it on anyone. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate to be at the tail end of this stage where it's hitting Amazon and, and um, I'm getting the first hundred copies in a few weeks and, and selling those out. And uh, maybe I'll do another hundred after that, but, and then wait for Amazon to hit. Uh, but God, it's been painful, and uh, I don't know if I'll ever do it again. If I do, uh, uh, I probably want to go with another publisher because you really want a publisher that works well with you. And this publisher that I'm, I've got, I love John Hunt, but and they are getting the book out there, but it's so fast. They, they don't really see, you know, there's not a lot of room to say, hey, so what do you think about this? It's like, no, we're getting, you gave us the text. We're putting your book out there with a the cover. And yeah. um, I like that, but at the same time, it's like, you know, maybe you guys can look over it or, or edit it more or something like that. And they don't, they don't use time for that. But how do you get a book deal from someone else that does take the time? Who, who the hell knows? You have to have a following of, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's, that's what I understand today. They have like 
20, 30, 40,000 followers. Sure, we can get picked up, but yeah. I look at it like this. I've learned a lot about writing in the process, editing. My writing has definitely gotten better. I developed a coaching business off it. Um, I'm getting this out more of like, it has been a massive goal to me to do it. And however it goes is however it goes, right? So. Yeah. Well, good I'll, luck on that. Uh, yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I would love to find a publisher that could help me out, but you know, I got a few chapters right, and then maybe I'll. And I out. gave you the link right to, to my publisher. Yep. All right, good. George, uh, where do people find you if they if they need you? Uh the easiest place to find me is probably Instagram. It's uh, underscore George Calantis, um, or or my website, um, theartoftoughtransitions.com. Whoa. Okay, I didn't know you had a website. Yeah, and so uh, that that is a place where I write poems like poetry and revelations a few times a week. Oh, wow. Um, and I just recently started uh, throwing up uh, course content um, and I'm launching my first ever five day challenge. It's called do dope shit. And uh, it's five days about teaching how to master your mind, body and heart. And that comes out uh, within the next 24 hours. So. Awesome. 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 Great timing. Um, good. So listeners listen up the art of, toptransitions.com do dope shit.com no nah, it's just gonna be a do dope shit challenge uh you can go uh, i got that gonna run to me on instagram so we're gonna do it that way and then uh, you get five days of uh just gonna be a quick little series of emails and videos with descriptions how to challenge your body and heart so george uh would you um come back on the show if i ever ask you we have a, another talk yeah we'll have to do a follow-up talking some deeper shit of the 10 things we talked about. Definitely. I'll have to get you in uh, uh, next month with my guys too. So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to write an article uh, based on this and um, we'll put these in the show notes for the listeners, the 10 steps, and then we'll link everything to the article. And um, I don't know. I, th I think we can have some fun with this, but let's, let's keep this going. Maybe we can both take turns on Instagram kind of going over the 10 or something. Yeah, that we could actually definitely uh, we could do a live. I'm down. You let me know, man. We'll do it. We'll collaborate. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. I could keep going, but I got it. Today is like I have an actual schedule today for some reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, man, I'll see you guys. And thank you, George. I appreciate your time. All right, guys. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, George. Bye. Take care. Okay, so my book is available. Um, Everything is your fault. I'm very excited about it. If you go to rajanchankara.com slash the book, um, or just go to my website and click on the book link at the top of the tab, it'll take you to an order page. And I am getting out the first 100 copies myself before it hits Amazon early, early next year. Um, so we're getting those out. I think we can do it. My goal is to sell 500 copies before it hits Amazon stores uh, early next year. All right. So I want to tell all the listeners that it's going to be in the show notes. And I don't know. It's just I, I tried to do this thing, put it in a book, and we'll see how it goes. It's a grassroots project, and, you know, sharing is caring. <laughs> so thank you, Rokas. And...
everyone. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week on Wednesday. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, whatever. However, all that works. Leave a review so that other people can find the show and hear about other people's stories and all these lessons for people. And Rogas, I hope you're getting something out of it. Yep, for sure. And one day we're going to have a, a catch-up episode to see what Rokas's thoughts are on up to this point after all these episodes, uh, over 4,000 downloads from all these different countries around the world. Almost 5,000 now. Almost 5,000 yeah, now. to 5,000, yeah. Exciting. All right. Let's cut it there, and we'll see everyone next week.